0: Welcome to Risk Roundup. It is said that what we cannot create, we do not understand. While the very nature of human mind and the science of intelligence is difficult to understand, there is an intense effort going on to build a conscious computer mind out of computer chips. Understandably, there are growing concerns and questions about building a computer mind from electronic pieces when there is so little clarity about the human mind, science of intelligence, and the very nature of human consciousness. From the beginning of times, the power of imagination has helped we, the humans, explore the unknowns, evolve, and change the world around us. We have fundamentally transformed the geospace. The same power of imagination will perhaps continue to help us explore the unknowns of the cyberspace and space and change the reality around humanity. Imagination has always been an indicator of human intelligence. While imagination is a creative power that is necessary for inventions in cyberspace, geospace and space, the same power of imagination is driving neuroscientists today to understanding the human intelligence, imagination, and where ideas originate from the human brain and mind better. To discuss how much we know about the science of intelligence further, I'm honored to welcome Professor Risto and Ilmo Naimi to Risk Roundup. Professor Risto Ilmonaimi is the head of the Department of Neuroscience and Biomedical Engineering, Aalto University School of Science, Finland. Welcome, Professor Ilmo Naimi. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure.
0: Wonderful, Professor. So, knowing what determines intelligence is perhaps the biggest question we face today. While there are many theories of intelligence and intelligence has a broad meaning covering so many different mental activities, is intelligence a single general ability or a set of many abilities?
1: Well, this is very difficult but it's an essential important question, I think. My background is in in neuroimaging and and non-invasive brain stimulation. Uh, and, and neuroscience, uh, but the intelligence itself is is not really my core question. But I think that uh, uh, the development of intelligence uh, in in evolution of, of, of different species uh, is an essential aspect. So, uh, so animals, uh, long time ago, when they encountered uh, uh, new Environments and, and, and new conditions had this uh, pressure to, to 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 survive, and the fittest survived. And, and first, we got simple kinds of intelligence, simple decisions depending on on, on, the, on the surroundings and, and the situation. So this is one explanation for the emergence of intelligence. I don't think it is really understood. The brain is really, the human brain is really very complex. Um, we know a great deal about the functioning of the neurons and the interaction of the different parts and, and how, how people behave in different situations. But, uh, but how the coding in the neurons, neuronal signaling is related to intelligence. Is, 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 is not so well known. On the other hand, I, I, w- I would say that we, we have learned about intelligence from from uh, artificial neural networks. And it's a quite long history already from the 1950s or 60s in 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 in, in modeling or, or, or making computer software that can. Mimic some aspects of you know, intelligence like yes. uh, like uh, 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 finding correlations between different things, associative learning, and learning itself.
0: Difficult question. <laughs> it, is, it is a complex question, and you are right. There is still so much that is not known. And while my, human mind seems to be a set of Cognitive faculties that includes so many different things like consciousness, perception, thinking, judgment and memory. It seems that they are all interrelated, interconnected and perhaps collectively determining the level of human intelligence. So it seems from what you know we have been uh, reading from the published literature. However, we still don't have a clear understanding of all the cognitive faculties that allow us clear understanding of human intelligence. And amidst that, when we say a person is intelligent, that this person is intelligent, that person is intelligent, do we have a credible approach to measure intelligence?
1: Well, operationally, there are intelligence tests. In that sense, one can easily measure intelligence. It's always always defined by the maker of the test. So we have standard intelligence tests, but uh, not... uh, understanding of what it really is in terms of neuroscience is at the very early stage.
0: Yes, yes, yes that is true. Now in recent years, it is reported that the structure of the adult human brain changes when a new cognitive or motor skill, including vocabulary, is learned. This perhaps changes the level of intelligence and nature of intelligence as well. So how is the evolution of human intelligence? closely tied to the nature of the human learning, do you see that, depending on what we learn, whether it's a language or whether it's uh, some other skill, that the nature of, intelli- nature of the human intelligence and also the brain, uh, evolution, it happens all in parallel, do you see a correlation between that?
1: Well, we don't have much, much intelligence when we are born. Uh, but uh, the uh, evolution has given us the ability to learn and obtain intelligence during our lifetime. So, so this big part of the intelligence or the major part of the intelligence after the machinery that we have in the brain is in the learning as a, as a child and, and through, through the whole life. So people who have not been able to you know, have not lived with other people, they have never created the real human intelligence. So it's, uh, it's, uh, we have inherited the ability to learn, but then we really have to invest a lot of time in learning and, and developing the intelligence. Right, right, right. Now it is, no. yes, yes,
0: please go ahead.
1: It's nature and nature, um, both both are important aspects of yes. intelligence.
0: Yes, very true, very true. Now, it is reported that as as a species, humans exhibit broad range of intelligence, broad different you know, nature of intelligence, of which heritability, genes, it accounts for about, I think, 50%. The fact that there are genes which control intelligence provides us a platform for hu- evolution and natural selection to act upon. Now while genes certainly play a role in human intelligence it is about 50 percent. Is the other 50 percent the role of environment like how is the family upbringing, how is the uh, education system and all other uh, variables, do they come in play in the other 50 percent? Yes,
1: it's, 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 it's our Life that and uh, surroundings or circumstances that defines the rest. I don't know where the 50% has come from, but maybe it's a good guess of, of half and half for genetics and, uh, and, and uh, learning.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And of course, as a child, you, you learn automatically when you interact with your parents and, and other people. And then further development of the intelligence requires some effort. Like you go to school and so on. Um,
0: yes, very true, very true. Now there is a genuine concern that the human brain evolution has become stagnant, and that it will likely cease. Now, with this technology-driven growth and expansion that we see across nations, the humans need to do most manual and mathematical the. Over the years, what we were doing, all the manual and mathematical work, the need for that will be greatly dem- diminished because of all the technology developments that has taken place and uh, is and en- ongoing and uh, the new technology emerging. So while the work for day-to-day survival will be greatly lessened, the fear of survival of the human species will be greatly increased. Do you see that this will impact the evolution of human brain, mind, and intelligence? Do you see the possibility or probability of that?
1: Well, I don't think we... Nobody knows what future will bring, but evolution will certainly continue, because it will be redefined by what kind of people have more offspring, what kind of people have more children, that will define the future of evolution of, of humans. Um, now, there are many people who will require, require and benefit from from, from uh, mathematics and, and, and development of skills, but how that is related to the number of the, the children? Who knows? Yes. Uh, you see, the more children, a certain kind of people have will define the the fate of evolution, but the the difference in the the, the past, especially when we are further and further in in societies where everybody has enough food and and shelter and so on, then the survival of the fittest argument doesn't work anymore. Yes. It's a question of who will have more children. I don't think the evolution is very much going to be defined by uh, the the skills. Yes, yes. So it's, and that, that this will lead to the situation that uh, educated people may may have less fewer children than than others, and that will then they yes, have right. big impact on on humanity. But, but this you, you, you don't know. We, we don't know what happens in the long term. If it's going to take many generations before there will be. Yes, yes, because
0: changes. that is true. Because a lot of people feel that with all these new digital assistants that we see, Cortana and Siri and Alexa, it, it, they help us get up in the morning and they help us, to, you know, with all the questions that we have, they come up with the answers they do all kinds of things for us so what people are concerned that what intelligence and skills will we need when all these machines are doing all the work for us so that is a genuine uh, concern but we will see in the coming years what kind of uh, uh, skill development is necessary uh, to, for the humans to survive and what what they need what they don't need and how it's impacting the brain and the intelligence and the evolution process i think it will take years before we understand uh, what is going on but there are some who say that we don't understand how to effectively create artificial intelligence because we don't understand human intelligence uh, you know clearly enough so do we need to understand human intelligence clearly before we create artificial intelligence i
1: don't think so i don't think so if you have some aims in in your artificial intelligence one can one, uh, one can develop technology that uh, addresses these aims and these goals and kind of, and i don't think the the, the the artificial intelligence necessarily has to uh, mimic human intelligence, although uh, we have learned many things from human intelligence, in, in, in the early stages, people wanted to, just to make software that, uh, that would do, the on, the on the surface level, similar things as, as humans, but that, that, that one kind of program a computer to do everything in, in, a, in a pre-planned way, it has to be a learning system, the, the true artificial intelligence has to be a system that learns itself and uh, the internal workings of these devices are not necessarily and and probably not usually uh, similar to, to, to the human machinery in the brain yes
0: yes now if even if scientists develop the technology to create an artificial brain there is no evidence that this process will automatically generate an artificial mind there is no guarantee that this machine will become suddenly conscious. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? That we don't understand the nature of consciousness in humans, in us ourselves. So, how do you see a possibility that we will be able to create a conscious mind in a computers?
1: No, well, I, I believe in, in, in the possibility of machine consciousness. Of course, I don't know but i don't I haven't heard or read or thought about any logical argument saying that it would be impossible, therefore until proven it, it is a possibility but you're right we, we don't understand the the, the uh, consciousness that how it is possible to start with of course we know that it exists um, and uh, um, well, there are many, many scientists who think that machine consciousness is impossible. They may have a belief that you need a certain substrate, whether is a biological substrate, to maintain the, or establish consciousness. There are others who think that as long as you have a certain kind of information processing system, like the brain, equally complex, it doesn't have to be identical, but equally complex, equally capable, and the learning system it will automatically have consciousness. Um, We don't know yet, Uh, nobody has demonstrated machine consciousness yet. There there, there are philosophical articles on on, on this possibility, but we will need to have machines that uh, that are conscious, and then we need some method to measure consciousness. That's another problem: how to how to do that. And there are many people who believe that it's impossible even to measure whether a machine is a conscious or not. Or is it conscious or not?
0: Yes, um, yes, very true. We do need to come up with a way to figure out how to uh, how to do those measurements. How would we know that it's a conscious machine? A
1: even that behave intelligently and. Uh, Maybe in a like humane way. How do, you know, how, we do, how do we know that it's actually conscious?
0: Yes, very true. Very true. That is the question. Now, uh, although artificial intelligence is becoming more and more a part of everyone's everyday lives, understanding how the human brain produces intelligence behavior, intelligent behavior, is still perhaps one of the greatest challenges in science and technology. today. I mean, we are getting closer. We are... Uh, because of the brain mapping advances uh, and the initiatives across nations, we have we are at a point where there is a hope that you know we have a better understanding and we are going towards uh, getting the, some sort of uh, clarity about how the intelligence process works. Now, while science knows no boundaries or borders, and neither does human imagination and innovation, how are technological innovations? from across nations, helping us decode human intelligence because we do to understand what is, to do the brain mapping and to understand what brain architecture or what processes are happening and how are all the different uh, things working in our brain, we do need technological advances. Without that, it's not possible to do the brain mapping, human brain mapping, or you know, to create even a computation, a computer intelligence. So. What kind of technology innovations you feel that are absolutely essential and where we have reached, which technologies you think that have played a major role and in the coming years to do a better job in understanding the science of intelligence, irrespective of whether it's a human intelligence or a computational intelligence, what technology innovations you feel are necessary and essential for us to take the next step forward?
1: I think there are two things. One is neuroscience, We are learning faster and faster how the human brain and simpler brains, animal brains work, how, how they wor- the, the neurons are connected to each other, how they communicate and, and, and how, what kind of uh, algorithms there are in single neurons and in the networks. So this information is going to grow. Our knowledge of the brain is growing very fast, but that will not uh, solve the problem of consciousness. Maybe maybe it will tell us about intelligence. We already know much about uh, perception, that's part of intelligence, and uh, actions, decision-making and so on, but uh, consciousness is much more difficult. And the other aspect, so in addition to neuro, neuroscience, the other way to learn about intelligence is is uh, artificial intelligence. So this is, as you started this discussion, if you pointed this out, that uh, if, if you can't build it, you may not understand it or something like that. Um, and, and I really true, think that it's true, so if you can artificially create uh, software or machinery that can do tasks, then you understand something about the task performance, even if it 's not exactly the same as in the human brain, but you have demonstrated that it is possible to for example have an automatic learning system so just give examples of let's say pictures and uh, and then many, many pictures in the system can learn to differentiate between different classes of, let's say, men and women, old and young, and, 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 and all kinds of things. Um, uh, then I would like to continue a little bit about the concept of consciousness. Right? How could it ever be un- understood? Is, there is this so-called hard problem of consciousness, which is really Really, very hard to imagine how it can be solved, but uh, but, but I, I believe it's is the consciousness, the ability to feel, to, to to have qualia, the sensations of being alive and you know, feeling the environment, so feeling pain, for example. Um, uh, that, 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 that's, that's truly hard, uh, but but when it's. I think it is a very simple thing. So I, I, consciousness is probably a very fairly simple thing. Very simple animals may have this uh, awareness or, or feelings, like pain, for example. If you observe them, animals also seem to seem to feel things. So what I, what I think is that we learn more and more about the brain about neuroscience, artificial intelligence, but then the riddle of consciousness needs some idea, somebody who understands, who, who gets an idea of how does it really work. Nobody has done that yet. There are some ideas, but probably all of them are wrong, I think, and so far. And and then if if the, the explanation of consciousness has some experimental predictions, then one can, if, if, if the theory is testable, then maybe finally we will understand consciousness. But nobody has any idea at the moment, I think, what kind of solution that would be.
0: Yes, very true. Yeah. Very true, very true. Now, it is said that the tremendous energy and computational efficiency of the brain, if we understand that better, maybe it will inspire new ways and new Principles of organizing our computers and especially data centers. Do you think that the path to discovery of the fundamental algorithmic principles on which cortical computation is based—that it passes through the language? How do you? What is the correlation you see? How is studying what makes language so well adapted to our minds that it would uncover important insights about the computational architecture? of the brain. Do you see the relation there?
1: No, I didn't really get it. The so, relationship between language and... Uh...
0: La- yes, language and the, uh, the... how it changes the human uh, brain uh, architecture. And how it... Uh, how the path to discovery of the fundamental algorithmic principles, hmm. on which computer uh, cortical computation is based that uh, there are many scientists says that it it passes through the language is is that uh, what the common consensus is among scientists
1: uh, that's a good 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 question um, i think we have already learned a great deal about uh, about how the brain works including language by observing um, connectivity and, 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 and the, the interplay between different parts of the brain via the internal connections. So, so the different parts of the brain are sending signals to each other and uh, and there's an old notion by, by Donald Hebb, of uh, neuronal assemblies, uh, and uh, it is still under active research. And, uh, I'm a believer in, in uh, there's evidence for for the idea that um, our concepts, like the concepts of a, the pencil or pen or person, um, in the brain are, are coded as neural uh, as these um, neuronal assemblies, meaning that, that, that there's a certain pattern of activity among different parts of the brain among different neurons. So when this pattern of activity emerges, then we have this concept in our mind, or it can also be unconscious, of course. But, but anyway, it's in, somewhere in the brain. And, uh, and I, I think artificial intelligence has to learn, has something to learn from this as well. It it's already has learned um, That it's really in the pattern of, uh, uh, of activity in the network that, that defines concepts. This doesn't need to be explicitly programmed. You just have to build a system where it's learning uh, by itself. It's self-organizing depending on the information obtained. This is how we form concepts. So we already have some concepts in our mind. Let's say a round ball and then some color, and then we see a red ball, then we when our brain connects these two different concepts and we have a new concept that is a red ball. We can give it a new name. And uh, and and, uh, and then our language areas in the brain are related to this, this concepts. Um, yes. Neuronal assemblies obviously, uh, that is the Keyword, I think, in understanding much of our language and and concepts and, and how the brain works.
0: Yes, so it seems, so it seems. Now, both brain and computers use electrical signals to send messages and they both transmit information. Now, it seems that the human brain uses chemicals to transmit information, whereas in computers it uses electricity, while the connected computers, through electricity, are able to transmit information we humans we still don't have that capacity to transmit information in a form that transcends the geographical location or physical barriers more like you know telepathic communication. Do you see a possibility of telepathic communication happening you know with the advances in this brain research that we will be able to figure out how to have the telepathic communication between you know uh, humans?
1: Do you no, see that possibility? I, I don't, and, and not many many scientists believe uh, in, in, in telepathy without uh, some physical means. Of course, in, in, the, 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 in the electronic world, the, there are the, ra- the, the electromagnetic waves, radio waves that uh, transmit information. The brain is not able to send uh, uh, electromagnetic signals at, at, um, sufficiently high power to to reach reach other brains and and the receiving brains do not have receivers for electromagnetic fields, so, so so I think that is not a feasible. It's <laughs> not happen, part- we, well,
0: <laughs> it would be exciting if there is, if we are able to understand. Uh, how the whole brain actually works and how to use the f- full potential of the brain. Maybe that would be possible, but again, we are nowhere near that. But that uh, fascinates me, and I, I always think about it, whether it would be possible to have some <laughs> development like
1: that. mean yeah. new, new discovery about the world would need to, some, some unknown mechanism would need to be found. But maybe we could have artificial telepathy. So. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes. You never know. We can uh, implant chips into, you know, human beings, and uh, through that we can have that kind of communication. So, if not natural, we will be able to create something like that. Hopefully, in the coming years,
1: we already have mobile phones. Mobile, yes, mobile
0: yes, internet, absolutely.
1: But like telepathy, in, in a way.
0: Yes, we can have mobile phones uh, chips embedded into human body, and then we won't need the you know uh, external phones. We will be able to communicate directly. So we will see you know what happens in the coming years. But that is certainly you know uh, possibility and fascinating idea if we are able to uh, make that in uh, a reality. Now both the brain and computers have a memory that can grow. Computer memory grows by adding computer chips. Memories in the brain grow by I believe, stronger synaptic connections. However, there is not much understanding in how to strengthen those synaptic connections to improve or increase human memory. I mean, of course, we will be able to add chips into brain, and uh, by that, we will be able to hope make some changes. But naturally, how to strengthen the synaptic connections? We have not uh, made much advances in that. Now, as computer memory advances rapidly, it seems that, Human memory in the natural state, of course, is going to lose the battle and fall behind. Will we be able to grow human memory and will human memory be able to compete with the advances in computer memory? Again, these are, I mean, there are two paths to this one is the natural and one is the man made. If by implanting chips, I'm sure that we'll be able to grow our memory, but naturally, do you see that possibility?
1: first of all, I don't think why we would need to, to win this competition. We have other machines that are stronger than we are, and, and they're helping us. So maybe maybe the same will happen with artificial intelligence. We already have computers that are far faster in, in, in simple tasks, like computational tasks than we are. And Eventually, maybe that computers are more intelligent than we are. But then to your question can we enhance our own intelligence yes. uh, like strengthen in, in our natural learning uh, synaptic stre- strengths are changed they may be increased uh, strengthened or weakened depending on the situation in both both can be actually learning weakening and strengthening um, the brain already has a great capacity um, it's uh, to a large extent also how how we use it. Uh, there are some individuals with the same size of brains who have virtually perfect memory, they, they memorize everything. So uh, we as human beings, uh, thinking and feeling human beings, we maybe we need a system that uh, that uh, limits our memory so that we do not suffer from bad memories. Yes.
0: That, that That's true. I mean, there are, see, the artificial man-made in uh, memory enhancement is certainly going to be possible. But there are a lot of uh, people now saying that, why do we want to make machines more intelligent? Why do we want to make computers that intelligent? Why can't we just make human species more intelligent? Why don't we come up with uh, ideas and innovations by which we make the humans much, much, you know, uh, stronger in terms of intelligence and uh, innovation capabilities and uh, imagination so that then that fear that is there in humans currently that what will happen tomorrow if the uh, computers become uh, suddenly they reach the highest level and they uh, you know that they they will threaten the human species itself that fear is there, that that you we know we we put our existence at risk. So why not we create? Why don't we make humans more intelligent? So that is a understandable, you know, concern and understandable uh, initiative that you know let's just make humans more intelligent. And to do that, we will have to, you know, create all these capabilities. We'll need to enhance our memory. We'll need to uh, increase our intelligence, and we will need to do uh, much more so that uh, a human brain is uh, performing at much better capacity than computers. So that's where you know a lot of scientists are thinking about how to create that kind of capability for human brain. So we'll see what happens in the coming years. But if we, it seems that both brain and computers have evolved over time and computers have been around only for a few decades, but they have evolved so much faster than the human brain. And uh, this is mainly because the, of the rapid technological advancements that have made computers faster, smaller, and more uh, more powerful. It seems that uh, that process is con- going to continue, that the computers will keep getting faster, smaller, and more powerful. Now, when we look at humans, at first, h- evolution, proceeded by natural selection from random mutations, that's what you know, uh, is uh, commonly generally believed. Now, if we are entering in a new phase in which we will be able to change and improve our DNA, how do you see the man-made evolution advancing, especially from intelligence perspective?
1: Well, genetic uh, changes for the human intelligence, uh, I think that's very fine in the future. Maybe you can do that in simple animals at the moment. but. Uh, there are of course many ways you can you can you can use to try to improve intelligence. Um, pharmaceutical methods, brain stimulation. The most effective probably still is, is education. So I would I would put my money on, on education, better education for everybody. Not only developing intelligence, but also what we need really need is, is wisdom. How do how do we how do, how how can we wisely use artificial intelligence are still under our control. But I think um, if uh, computer science continues to develop the way it has developed, I, I think it's a losing game. I mean, the computers are going to win in, in all those tasks which we are able to program. Uh, com- maybe the computers will never be conscious. Uh, Maybe that they will, but we don't know. It depends it depends on how, <laughs> what happens. Um, uh, yeah, there are dangers in 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 in, in, in that if computers are given autonomy and they are connected to, uh, let's say, robots or other machinery that can influence the world. Yes, I there, there, there is a danger, and of course, yes. even before that. People can use any technology for for uh, in in harmful ways. Therefore, we need wisdom, better education to prevent that from happening.
0: Yes, that is true, that is true. We need that uh, proper environment in which uh, individual students, uh, irrespective of uh, any age, they are able to uh, learn and develop, uh, acquire new skills. That is a necessity of the time. I mean, there is no other way. Every human being will have to learn uh, the technology and uh, many other areas, you know. There is no other uh, way that we can move forward. We have to keep progressing. Now, both brain and computers, can change and it can they both can be modified under you know various circumstances. Now, the brain is always changing and being modified. there is no off switch for the brain even mm-hmm. when we are even when we are sleeping, the brain is still active and working now computer only changes when new hardware or software is added manually or something is saved in a memory. so there is an off for a computer when the power to computer is turned off. The computers are off. There are no signals that are being transmitted at that time. So based on the understanding of uh, neurosciences and the brain uh, research that is going on, do you see evolution in computers where irrespective of electricity, we can keep that on? Do you see any initiatives where scientists are working on that?
1: Well, uh, computers will always need energy of some form, either electrical energy or or some other kind of electricity, maybe there will be in principle one could have biologically built uh, artificial computers as well. Um, So when we sleep, we we need energy, Uh, as much energy as during wakefulness. The brain is active during sleep and requires energy. And the computers, if you want to keep them active, always, Need energy as far as I can understand. Um, but I don't think that is a limitation because we have energy. Yes. It's from different sources. And electrical energy is the easiest kind of energy that can be used for computers. Yes.
0: Now, it seems that. Uh... Both brain and computers are used for storage and processing of information and they both execute tasks using either electrical signals or chemical signals uh, and in the human brain through neuron to neuron. Now there are, it seems that there are some uh, efforts, initiatives going on to uh, upload the information in a human brain that we can update the brain. We can just uh, update the brain by uh, and uh, uh, transfer all that knowledge, you know, by those updates. Do you see that, uh, do you know about where we stand with the advances or what the research, uh, the state of the research of uh, updating the human brain? Are we at a point where it's uh, possible that we can update a human brain?
1: I'm not really aware of this aspect, this kind of developments.
0: Because I think scientists have discovered. Uh, I read somewhere that scientists have discovered how to upload knowledge to human brain. I just don't know what what is the state because I didn't uh, get much information on the that discovery.
1: Isn't the, isn't the best way to upload information is by, by reading and observing the environment, but it's also Getting information to the brain, the eye is very good mechanism to transmit information into the brain. But you're talking about artificially doing yes. how that could be done artificially. You you can electrically stimulate the brain. There are already some some um, um, what is it called prostheses or something like for the blind, where an array of electrodes can be put in the over the visual cortex where you can artificially produce sensations like images. But that's on a very crude level at the moment. Um so, but anyway, in principle it can be done that you, you directly influence the neurons in the brain. You can even do certain things non invasive by transcranial magnetic stimulation. You can you can activate parts of the brain. And also in the other direction, there are uh, implants connected to the brain with which you can control uh, robotic movements. This is already used in some cases where people are paralyzed. They cannot move their limbs uh, by thinking. I mean, you directly can connect the, limb, the artificial limbs to the brain and control these robotic parts of your body with the with, with thoughts. The way I'm moving my hand, that is like a miracle that it moves. I'm just thinking and it moves. But you can do that artificially also. But that's a, it's still at a very crude early stage. So there are some people who think that this may, may lead to more really efficient ways of artificial communication with the brain.
0: Let's hope so. Let's hope that there is a better you know, efficient way to do that. But now this also, this is a very interesting, you know, area where I hope that there is a more advances and development, because if we see brains, human brain, have both short term and long term memory, as well as the capacity for dealing with immediate issues, but how does the brain process short-term and long-term memory? And why is not all the memory active in human brain like in computers? In computers, you just, you know, whatever you information you want, you immediately get it. It doesn't matter if it was stored in the computer like 10 years before or 20 years before. Accessing that doesn't take time. The processing speed is so fast. But in humans, if we have created some memories like ten years back or twenty years back, even though it is stored in human brain, it we cannot process it that quickly enough. We don't. We are not able to recall that, and we are not able to retrieve that information as quickly as how the computers would do.
1: Right. Well, there are two two things here. One is that the the clock speed of the brain is really is really very slow compared to the the computer. So Small number of operations per second in the brain per neuron, whereas in the in the computers it can be billions of operations per second. Um, and the other thing is that that, that uh, accessing the memory in the brain appears to be associative. So if and and this is not uh, um, always working the way we would desire, but what we observe is only the conscious part of brain action. The brain is doing many things that we are not aware of, like controlling our breathing and posture and uh, uh, background, background operations, many control operations are happening we are not aware of those uh, they also are also using memory um, mem- memory in the brain, so conscious thoughts are connected to a very small number of memories at a time so, there's very little room in the conscious memory at any given time. You can think about only one or two things at a time, not many and um, So it's very interesting the comparison between computers and and humans is very interesting Um, but uh, you you can think about the computer without the concept of consciousness so you can imagine okay all the memories are there immediately available but but, uh, probably if the computer would be conscious if it would have one consciousness it would access only a very small part of its memory. Do its conscious thinking at a time, that's what I think. Because I think consciousness is a very simple thing. We don't understand it, but it's still simple.
0: <laughs> well, uh, it, it, I hope that it is that simple to understand that. I, I'm not sure.
1: It's not simple to understand, but it is a simple thing.
0: Yes, yes. So- what, what, what do you think are the barriers to progress in cognitive behavioral or neuroscience that could be targets of opportunity for computer science research because understanding all these different processes and how the whole our brain works in the you know human brain with, based on the brain mapping research or neuroscience research that 's still a very complex task I mean we have to go bit by bit because there are so there's so much uh, complexity there. But in computers, if we try to replicate uh, by imagination, that how would this process work? And if we create that process in computer, maybe that would help us advance the neuroscience research, you know, uh, probably, you know, more effectively. Because uh, all these new models of machine learning inspired by neural architecture, they are... Uh, going in the direction of inquiry or biomimetic algorithms and they are all kind of successful. They are doing, uh, they are rapidly progressing and uh, they are giving us the success that we are looking for. And while this success, uh, it it can, with this success, it can also provide us insight and inquiries about. How it will influence our thinking about the brain, how it may function and how we can test those ideas. So maybe we can do the reverse engineering here. We develop those processes, we develop those systems effectively in computers and then try to uh, understand that in human brain so that uh, we can advance further. Do you see that uh, opportunity for computer science research?
1: Well, uh, one of we have learned a great deal already, already from the brain, and, and, and we can mimic many many things that happen in the, in, the, in the operation of neurons and their connections. One of the difficulties, of course, in, in in studying, especially the human brain, that it's hidden inside the inside the head and skull. Uh, uh, there are not many volunteers who, who, who let their brain be open for study. And even even if that happens, there are so many details, so many neurons, there are tens of billions of neurons. Billions. We, we wouldn't know exactly what happens in each. We would not be able to comprehend um, it automatically, I mean, easily. And, and um, um, so I think still it's a good idea to study if you really want to study how the brain processes information, the good idea is to study simple circuits. Well, there are investigators who have studied, are studying simple animals, like the eplusia, or, or, or simple parts of the animal, like the retina. Um, um, and and we, we have learned from these. and some people are using this this information for artificial intelligence. Um, very often I think the, the artificial intelligence development is, is not so well connected to neuroscience. In fact, you, you mentioned machine learning. Typically what happens in the computer when machine learning algorithms are doing their thing investigate nobody understands what is really happening in the computer because uh, machine learning has created uh, internal mechanism and internal logic that it is available but because it's so complex it is hard or maybe even unnecessary to understand in detail um, the concept of machine learning uh, as used now, is uh, can, can be simple. Deep learning is simple as a concept, but, but when you implement it, there are many details inside that, that uh, you don't need to know.
0: Yes, it is very complex. You are absolutely right about that. But there's also one fact that uh, the computer scientists and neuroscientists, they all work in silo. There is not much collaboration, cooperation, or, you know, joint initiatives. If they all work together, maybe, you know, we will be able to understand these complex, uh, uh, complexities of, you know, deep learning or, you know, how the human brain functions or how those human brain systems, you know, work. Maybe we'll be able to come, uh, we'll have more clarity if there are some collaborative initiatives. But uh, even within neuroscience, if you see, you know, each individual uh, neuroscientist or each area, everybody is working in silo. And that is, I think, uh, irrespective of what industry we look at, that is the biggest challenge we face currently, that all the, uh, within a nation also, all its components are, you know, working in silo, government, industries, organizations, academia. And if you look at even within a new science or neuroscience, that also is the same case. Same is the... Same are the challenges you know, everywhere, that everything is uh, happening in silos. So it's very difficult to understand that from a system perspective, what are the challenges? But let's talk about the brain emulation capabilities, because it's very fascinating. The mind copying or mind transfer capabilities, it seems that we are a step closer to creating human-like intelligence in computers. Now, it is believed that mind uploading is humanity's current best option for preserving the identity of the human species so do you where are we currently in the whole brain emulation capabilities do we have capability that we can transfer the whole human uh, uh, mind capability or whatever the information is stored in human mind that we can download that and upload it in a computer in uh, whatever form do are we closer to that that's an
1: interesting Question: I have no expertise in this area. Well, if it happens in some distant future, yes, we are all, 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 all the time going closer to that. I think uh, the problem is both technological and conceptual, so, uh, because we don't understand what really is mind, what is consciousness, then. Uh, it's hard to imagine what should be uploaded or downloaded when you're uploading or downloading the mind. to first, try to understand what this would mean. So the extreme way to uh, to um, uh, clone the mind would be to clone all the neurons. That I mean, make make uh, artificial neurons, uh, artificial very large network equally large as mine, and then and somehow copy the activity and synaptic connections in from the whole brain. Okay. I would imagine that if it does exactly the same uh, as, as my brain is doing, then it would have my consciousness. But this is a technical technological problem. It's very yeah. really hard to imagine how you could measure the brain in such a detail that, that one could I could uh, make a copy of it that would be conscious or even even functional. But in principle, uh, there, there's a simple, simpler way, if one could understand the concept of consciousness. So because I said I believe mind or consciousness is simple. It, it, when we don't need the all the detailed ingredients. If we could somehow measure the important things, okay, maybe you could copy the mind, but but it it wouldn't really help me because my mind is here. Even if there's a copy somewhere, I wouldn't know about that. I mean, I wouldn't feel it. It would have its own own life somewhere else. Well, I wouldn't be opposed, but uh, would it help something? I don't know. That's a very interesting question. and I, and hope so I hope many I hope. people are interested in this kind of development. but It's going to be far in the future.
0: <laughs> well, it's certainly there's uh, uh, I, uh, it, I, I hear it. It's certainly is a possibility and uh, there are, are I'm hearing
1: hear echo. Echo. Not from here. Um, no, on my side. Oh, my side.
0: On my side. Let's wait for a minute. Okay, I think it's better. So uh, there, I mean, there are advances happening, and there is a certainly a possibility that in uh, our lifetime we will have that capability. And I hope that there is a capability because then we can leave <laughs> all the knowledge behind for not only our children but for the humanity. You know, every if every single person who has developed some, you know, really good. Uh, who has acquired great intelligence and who has a lot of information to share with the world. That would be a really good way that we can leave behind that legacy and uh, that collective intelligence, the collective human brain that will keep advancing the humanity further and further. So I hope that it becomes a reality. I'm sure that there are efforts going on, and I hope that it becomes a reality in near future. Now, let's talk about the, the, the same, the, the, with the same uh, mindset. I believe there are ongoing efforts uh, to create the digital immortality of a human brain. And uh, a team of scientists from Augusta University, Georgia, it seems that they are suggesting that the origins of human intelligence is based on a very fundamental algorithm, which they call the theory of connectivity. So do the complex human brain computations rely on relatively simple mathematical logic? Because human brain is so complex. But
1: the underlying computational principle, is it that simple? Well, um, the, the operation of the human brain is, is uh, based on a large number of relatively simple units, that is the neurons. They are not very simple, but far simpler than the whole brain. and. Uh, most of the neurons behave in similar ways. They, they, they obtain information from other neurons, the action potentials, the, the spikes, information spikes that they receive via the synapses. And then depending on the quantity of a positive signals in relation to the negative ones, they either send a signal further or they don't send. So that's... It's each neuron is essentially an adding machine in a way, roughly, roughly like adding the information that is coming in and then sending the signal out if the result is large enough or big enough. So yes, the the, the basic principle is very simple, as far as I can tell, but then the connectivity and the whole how it learns is uh, is more complicated.
0: Yeah. And then also the glial cells, glial cells also play a major role, right? Because so far the neuroscientists were thinking that they don't play a role, only the neurons play a role. But the glial cells, I believe that uh, now the scientists are uh, coming to uh, terms uh, and understanding that they play a major role. So far they were thinking that the glial cells is just, you know, uh, to clean up the waste that is uh, created in the human brain. But it seems that they play much bigger role. So it, it seems very complex, you know, even though the underlying uh, principle could be very simple, but I believe that the whole brain chem- chemistry, because of the involvement of the glial cells, could be very complex. And just like, you know, human uh, microflora in the gut, now scientists are, you know, beginning to believe that they play a major role in not only the human metabolism, but also in the state of human mind, the mental diseases, a lot of mental diseases are caused because of the imbalances in that microflora. And uh, who knows that in the coming years, uh, that knowledge or that uh, process uh, would be understood much clearly That is the glial cells and the imbalances in the glial cells could play a major role in how the intelligence you know, uh, functions or how the memory, you know, is uh, stored effectively or how the uh, memory imbalances or intelligence imbalances or the mental diseases. Maybe they all have a the glial cells uh, imbalances could be playing a role there. So we'll have to see how the science advances there. But I think that uh, from what we are seeing, that it seems like it plays a very important role.
1: No, there are many glial cells. In fact, more glial cells than, than neurons. Yes. In, in, and so so, they have an in, important influence. Of course, it's has been long known that that they provide uh, the sustaining uh, service. They 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 transmit uh, uh, nutrients uh, to the brain and oxygen. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a new. Finding a, a new new part of uh, research that uh, studies the influence of glial cells in information processing, and nobody knows whether there 's some connection to consciousness, but I think that uh, the high speed quick um, action in the brain is, is mainly in the in the neurons you mentioned gut and, and um, um, and actually, the whole body is, is is connected to the brain we the peripheral nervous system. Yes, we are connected to the guts and, and that may have a significant influence in in how we feel and how we are conscious. I would extend this that we are also connected to the environment and we can we can be alone without connections to the environment for a short time but but not for a long time. So, so many people think that really our existence is is being in the environment. Part of the brain's environment is the guts and and other parts of the body, but also the surroundings. Um, and, and 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 this happens via the senses. Nobody has. <laughs> Yes. Get discovered any, anything has, has to be with, with, with telepathy, but, but we have the senses that connect us into the, the environment. And this is a very important part
0: of our existence, of course. Um, yes, very true, um, very true. Now, the human ability to act and react within the world is fundamentally grounded by perception. Now, because we can control and observe sensory signals at the trans transducers, the processes, all these processes of vision, touch, sound, taste and smell, they are all some of the most accessible aspects of the brain. Now what are the mathematical characteristics and latent structure of the distribution of the input of the computer inputs the computer brain sensors receive? That is the environment within which the computer brain is developing and evolving. What are those mathematical characteristics?
1: Well, uh, I'm not sure exactly what you mean. Well, one interesting thing is that uh, most of the neurons in the brain are not connected directly to the environment. Most of the neurons are deeper in the brain. So for a while we can can function without the sensory input as well. But but each, uh, if you're thinking about, I'm not sure what you mean by by mathematics in your question.
0: It's, it's, it's like understanding how biological systems process sensory signals and optimally allocate resources for sensory processing. It will provide us important clues for creating artificial systems that will operate in the natural world. So that is the um, you know, basic uh, underlying principle of that, that if we understand that the mathematical characteristics and the latent structure of the distribution of the input of the computer brain sensors, how they receive that from the environment within which they it operates, then you know we will be able to understand all these much more. But let, it seems that the brain science, let's talk about the big data science that we are developing, that the brain science is going to be the next big data science to create a new computational lens through which to study and connect not only the structure and function of the brain, but also artificial intelligence, computational intelligence, and the biggest problems humanity faces today. So do you think we can think the brain as a computing machine? Do you see that we can uh, approach the brain neuroscience, the brain uh, mapping, the brain chemistry, the brain architecture, from the perspectives of a computing machine?
1: Well, I would say yes. It's a fascinating thought that mathematics is used to explain the brain or, or describe the mechanisms. And actually mathematics is used quite a lot on, at the different levels. So you can mathematically describe, uh, mathematics and physics describes how a neuron works and, uh, and uh, how simple circuits can perform logical operations needed in in perception, uh, for example. Um, in, in each neuron, if you take the sensory neurons, you press the, the skin, the harder you press, the higher number of signals, these action potentials go to the brain. Per second. The second, the, the harder you press, the more, more signals go to the brain. So we know this kind of relationships Now, one important aspect of the brain is uh, homeostasis. The brain wants to stay in an optimal operational state at the moment. So it's not like a computer where you do... uh, uh, where you always are capable of doing the calculations as long as the the program doesn't have any, any bugs. But in the brain, there is the danger of uh, 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 positive feedback, and, and this has happened sometimes in, in epilepsy, where there's this electrical storm in the brain. In, in, in the healthy brain, there's always you know, feedback mechanisms that keep brain in its operational state, optimal stage, and, 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 and we are in, in the in the study of dynamical systems. That's a very mathematical, general mathematical theory of how dynamical systems work, um, and, um, and that has brought us some understanding about the brain as well. So my point really is that, that yes, mathematics is used at very diff- different levels of, of neuroscience. Yes, really. um, and maybe maybe there's a place for big discovery from that direction as well.
0: Well, let's hope so. Let's certainly hope so that we get those big discoveries. Now, connecting brain, mind, and body is advancing very slowly but steadily. And it's addressing big questions like how do we learn, how do we communicate, to how do we process. Now, these advances are very important for us because we can, based on that, we will understand the global systems of a digital global age, the mapping of global systems to understanding the complex interconnectedness and interdependencies of nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia. In cyberspace, geospace, and space, it depends on the advances we make in connecting brain, mind, and body. So it, it, where the neuroscience research goes, how the advances is it's going to play a major role because the implications are big because based on that, we will be able to create much more in, the, in a digital global age. So how do we connect the dots through theories and methodologies relating to low level mechanisms of neural computation to more abstract information processing and systems to high level behavior of this digital global age? And what computational tools and environment do you see that is uh, necessary to support these replicable, scalable science to move beyond the laboratory to the reality of this humanity, human species and to this uh, digital global age?
1: Well, clearly all human behavior is based on on the brain, but but these questions are really hard. How how does this influence uh, psychological behavior and, 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 and actions in society? government and so on. So I think, so far, we need uh, different levels of description, the neuronal level, the psychological level, the societal level, and different sciences have been developed for that. Uh, But uh, uh, I think it's very important to try to bridge the different levels of description. Some people are trying to do that, but uh, uh, I think we are still quite far from understanding uh, societal events like politics uh, on the basis of neuroscience. There are some advances, for example, in in the science of decision making. For example, economic decision making is studied by by what is called neuroeconomics. You can find that the frontal cortex, for example, is controlling our decision-making. But it's a long way towards real understanding of, of how this influences um, our behavior in, 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 in social networks.
0: Yes, very true. What would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners about your institute's efforts towards science of intelligence? And what where would you like uh, the young... Uh, Generation the young people, students who are fresh out of college or in high school or who has a desire to uh, make a lasting legacy to create uh, what is not there so that not only the neuroscience, the brain science, the human intelligence advances but also the computational intelligence advances and the overall science, intelligence of uh, human species as well as the computers advances, where would you, what would you like to tell them, where they should put their effort?
1: Well, uh, so many different people, so it depends on the person and, and, and the interest, how uh, many things people can do. They can, they, can, they can study the operation of the brain by, by using neuro uh, neuroimaging and neurostimulation technologies, psychological tests and so on but uh, and then the other aspect is of course uh, development of uh, you know, computer science, including artificial intelligence and uh, also hardware so it depends on the person what what, what is of interest but if you if you're really interested in in how the brain works uh, and, and 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 what these deep questions of the mind and consciousness are then. I would advise people not to believe in in, uh, in authorities, just think yourself, uh, of course you have to read <laughs> uh, what is known already to some extent, but what we need is, is bright minds uh, and uh, new ideas and then testing these ideas.
0: Very true. So thank you so much, Professor Imran Aimi for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on science of intelligence. And I'm sure our global viewers and listeners will benefit tremendously from the information you provided on the science of intelligence, human intelligence to computational intelligence and uh, its uh, challenges and the future that we are looking at. So even if a single individual or entity can come up with an idea to understand the complex science of intelligence, And innovate based on the understanding they received from this discussion we had today, this Risk Roundup Dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Wonderful. So, since there are no limits to intelligence imagination, there are no limits to progress and advancement in humans. It is the imagination that will help us create the worlds that never were in cyberspace, geospace and space. But without intelligence imagination, we go nowhere. Risk Group, Cybersecurity Risk Research Center, and Strategic Security Risk Research Center are created for this very reason, to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk facing NGIOA and CGS, that means nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, in cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace work together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict and it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security so if you build a culture of managing risk effectively it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskpolicy.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandey, host of risk roundups, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.